Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Awesome. I just want to take a moment here and give a, a quick introduction to a friend of mine. Uh, one, let's be praying for Jerome Veerling. He got hit with some kind of bug this morning. One uh, had a temperature of 103. I should be careful how I said that. He got hit. That's a scary. He got hit with a bug. He's he's gonna he's gonna live. He's okay. But he has a he had a fever last night. And uh, make sure you're praying for him and his family because when you got five kids and you're down one person, uh, one adult, that's uh, that's some work. So uh, so today's gonna be a cool day. We actually have a uh, a good friend of mine. I'm gonna just give a short introduction. Uh, but uh, many of you are familiar with Devin. Uh, he is an awesome kid, man. He came around about two years ago, and uh, I remember when he first came around, I was like, man, who is this kid? He's just got so much passion, and uh, I remember um, I knew he was young. I was like, all right, he's like, I think he's like 18 at the time, and and uh, just did a, I think, 18, and he just did a, a year at college, played basketball at college, played varsity at, at Holt High School, and uh, I was like, man, this kid is just talented. And uh, man, I remember just talking with Jerome, like, man, this kid's really special. And, and, uh, and we were talking about it. And then I was like, you know what? I was like, I think one of my favorite things about Devin, though, is not just his passion, not just his, his zeal to know God and to make him known and to know his word. And as an incredible communicator at the age of 20 years old, uh, was just his humility and his humble heart. And he just always had this teachable attitude. And uh, so I know for most of us in culture, like it's difficult like to listen to people younger than you, but like this dude loves Jesus and he lives it. And, uh, and I think he's a great teacher and I think his ceiling's super high. And, uh, we had a, we had a, if you guys were at the skills competition for, uh, for city life basketball on Thursday night, he, he won a couple of competitions. He, he did beat me in one-on-one to many of your surprise. I did come in fourth though. That's pretty good. That's pretty good out of, there was maybe like 30 people there. I'm just saying, but he posted me up, and it, it is what it is, but hey, I want to invite Devin out here. He's going to share the word today. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Rob. Hey, on a, on a real note, I said this last service, it was, that game was serious. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, I think you know Rob, man. Rob is a, he's a feisty on a basketball court. He's like a bulldog. Um, he, will, he will punch you. He will kick you. He will do all kinds of incredible things um, to win. And he almost did a very hard game. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna unlock my computer real quick. How y'all doing today? Y'all all right? Good, good. Y'all here on July 4th weekend. That's actually incredible. I thought there might be seven people. Um, it's good. It's good to see you, man. Um, real quick, I want to say thank you to anyone who has served in the military, his family in the military. My mom is a veteran. Much respect to you. We honor you this weekend. We champion you this weekend. You are incredible and an amazing picture of the gospel, what it means to give your life and sacrifice for someone's freedom. So I just want to say thank you to guys so, uh, you guys so much who have been affected by that or been a part of that. Now, um, this weekend, obviously y'all are here, right? I'm here. Uh, I was at work. I had a friend of mine ask me uh, where I was going for the 4th of July. And I was like, oh, I'm going to L.A. And uh, he goes, L.A., you got family out there? I was like, yeah, man, the Lansing area. I was born and raised here. It's great. Um, he goes, oh, man, why don't you go to like a cat? You got a cabin in like Charlevoix, Ludington, whatever. I was like, dude, I'm from Lansing. We got Hawk Island, all right? That's where I'm at, all right? I'm at Hawk Island. Um, so if you want to find me this weekend or this week, I will be at, uh, I'll be at Hawk Island chilling on the beach getting tan. It'll be good. 
It'll be good. I uh, want want to honor a couple people who have done some amazing things here at City Life. First and foremost, Tommy last week brought the word with Nehemiah. Incredible, incredible teacher, pastor, leader, visionary. He has he has parented our church. He's one of our overseers. Incredible guy. Um, and they just did a Love Our City Week. So like Rob was saying, we inspired them. You guys inspired them to do incredible things. So thank you. Thank you so much. I um, also want to thank Jerome, who is sick right now. Please pray for him. It is real with five kids. You know what I'm saying? I live next door. It's real with five kids. You know what I'm saying? So um, please lift him up. I um, just want to thank our team and our family here, the people wearing our Love the City shirts, people who serve in Kid City right now, watching your kids, the people who are doing refresh, the people who set up and tear down every week and connections. Incredible team. They built this experience for you. So I want to say thank you to you guys. You guys are awesome. Give them a round of applause. Now, uh, starting off in the summer, we like to this is our second year at City Life, and we love to talk about the roots. Get Rooted is a, is a tool that was meant to call spiritual orphans back home, to tell people about the fathering of God. And so Roots is, um, is a series. We teach the seven roots we believe are fundamental to knowing Jesus and knowing God. And we're going to start Root 1 this week, which is understanding salvation. And so I'm going to talk about that today. Um, but understanding salvation is really what's our point? What's our purpose? Why did Jesus save us? How did he do it? Um, and so we're going to pray. I'm going to just pray for us that we would be open and we would receive well. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll jump in. We'll talk through talk through the text, and then uh, go from there. And have a great week. Sound okay? All right. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, you are the reason we're we're even get together. The reason we have mics and seats and food, snacks, kids ministry, all of it. You are the end of us. You are the goal of us. All of this is for you. We do, we do none of this without you. So we thank you for this ability to celebrate sacrifice of people for others um, with July 4th and our freedom. And we, and we thank you that it's a greater message for who you are, that you sacrificed, that you gave. And so I pray our hearts and our, our souls and our minds would be open and, and humble and receive new taste for you, that we would have new spiritual delight um, and, and we would come to understand our purpose and our goal. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for today. It's a beautiful opportunity. Move in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, now, y'all ever had a long week before? I mean, like a long week. Like, parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's that uh, came home at Friday at 8 p.m., fell asleep on your couch with your, with your work clothes on, and, uh, and you wake up the next morning, and uh, your kid is shaking you awake at 7.30 a.m. The dude is mowing his lawn. I don't know why. And all you want is a cup of coffee and everyone to shut up. It's real. I was that kid for my mom. Real long week. Those weeks suck. Now, just to be, just to be fair, this is actually where we find Jesus. We're going to be jumping into um, John 4, uh, known as the story of the woman at the well. Very famous passage. So if you want to turn there with me, feel free. Um, I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe it is a message and a story and a narrative about one person, and that's Jesus. And so the whole point, the reason we read this book, if you're not a Christian, if you're not someone who knows about church, this is your first time or 10th time or a thousandth time, we read this book to know who God is. It's the whole point. And so God gave this to us so we could learn and we could grow and be with him. So I'm going to jump into John 4. We're going to see about this story, about this woman at the well, what it tells us about her purpose, um, and, and see what Jesus has to say for us. And so um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 first, and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Sound like a win, guys? Is that okay? All right. I love it. He's hyping the first row. Um, so verse 1, John 4, verse 1. This is written by a disciple of Jesus. He says, Now when Jesus learns that the Pharisees has heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, this is different John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. 
And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour or noon. How many of y'all know people are at work? People ever work sometimes for y'all? I mean, this dude, Jesus, is speaking to thousands of people constantly. He's healing people. And uh, he's uh, answering really silly questions um, pretty much 24-7. So he just wants to sit down and get a drink. All right, that's all he wants, some water. All right, and he's like, finally, I get to be alone. His disciples go into the city and he's sitting at this well in the middle of the day at noon. It's incredibly hot. Imagine the desert, 120 degrees. Jesus wants some water, right? And he's like, finally, I get a man to be alone. Uh, not true. Um, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. We'll jump in that next. But I wanna talk about why Jesus is at this well. Now, the text says that Jesus left Judea, right, because the Pharisees were harassing him. They were giving him some issues, some problems. They were trying to discredit his ministry. And so he left this area so he can go to another place um, and preach the gospel there. Now, the interesting thing about it is that the text says Jesus in verse 4, he had to pass through Samaria. It's actually not true at all. Most Jews in this day and age, because they did not like the Samaritans, they were considered enemies, they would go around, they would take the long way around, they'd go an extra like 50 miles to go around Samaria to get to Galilee. But the text says Jesus had to go. That's interesting. Let's break that down in a second. Had to go. Now, do y'all ever... Um, Y'all ever like go out in public, you're like at the restaurant. Who went to that Meridian food truck thing yesterday? That wasn't really good, by the way. Had some great barbecue, it was awesome. Um, but y'all ever go out and like you see someone from work from like across the crowd and you're like, I really don't wanna talk to that person. I'm gonna just walk this way a little bit. You end up going around the whole like campus of the mall just so you like don't talk to that person. It's real, I've been there. It wasn't you guys yesterday, I promise. I was only there for five minutes, I love you. Um, so Jesus, Jesus is actually takes, takes the shorter route, but he goes through Samaria, what's not normal. Um, we learned earlier in John 3 that Jesus says he only does um, his father's will. So Jesus ends up at a well in the middle of the day. That's weird. Why would Jesus be at a well getting water at 12? It's the hottest point of the day. It doesn't really make sense. But we get more of an answer in verses 7 through 12. I, I believe that the reason Jesus is at this well is because he has created a divine appointment to meet someone. A divine moment, he crafted the whole scenario. He broke rules and social constructs and norms to be in this place. Maybe you've done the same thing. Maybe it's weird for you to be at church. Maybe your friends and family are, uh, criticize you for being a Christian, or maybe you just wanted to know a little bit more about God or Jesus. Maybe it's outside of your cultural norm, cultural norm to be here. That's okay. I think Jesus has a divine appointment for you today. So let's read in verses seven through 12. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Uh, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. First disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. I can imagine Jesus being so excited. They were like leaving. It's awesome. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, drank from himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Now, I read this passage, and I start to think, why on earth does Jesus ask any human, let alone the Samaritan woman, for water? 
He created the whole universe. He can call water out of thin air. Why does he ask for a woman in the middle of a hot day in a desert, in an area he's not supposed to be in where he's reviled and hated, ask a woman he's never supposed to speak with for water? He does a bunch of completely unnecessary, difficult, hard, painful things to initiate and engage with this woman. I believe there are two points we can derive from this text, 7 through 12. The first is this. Jesus created this woman with desire, with thirst. What we'll learn later in the text is that actually this desire is much deeper than just physical water. Much deeper. Jesus created this woman with desire for connection and union and relationship. But the second piece is this, is that Jesus is the initiator. Jesus is the one who comes to us. Oftentimes, as people who view the church, um, we often have this picture, if you will, uh, of someone who has to claw and earn and tear and dig and build their way to God. It's a lie. It is a lie from the enemy. Jesus is the pursuer. There's not a thing you can do to make Jesus pursue you. He actually pursues you either way. And if you're in this room today, Jesus is pursuing you today right now. Know that. So Jesus is the initiator with this woman, right? He initiates a conversation. Now, uh, the thing about a Samaritan woman is, um, the first thing is, Samaritans and Jews don't relate. They're actually enemies, and it's centuries old. See, when the Jews were conquered by other kingdoms, they were um, all taken to captive, but some were left behind, now, these people who were left behind were Jews who married and had children with foreign men and women. Uh, so essentially, they're half-breeds, kind of like me. So I, kinda, I relate to this woman, you know what I'm saying? I'm black ginger, it's great. Um, I relate to this woman, though, because she is, she is socially an enemy of Jesus' kind, of his race. It's a racial issue, right? Some of y'all, I don't know if y'all know about this, maybe, but like, y'all ever heard how like dar darker skinned black people like get issues like light skinned black people? It's real, all right, it's real. I don't know if that's for you, but someone said amen in the crowd somewhere. That's hilarious, I love that. But she's a Samaritan, they're enemies, right? Socially, racial issues, right? Economically, she's a woman. She has no economic value in anyone's eyes. Matter of fact, she just serves a home. So she, technically, she's poor. Next, she's morally, what we'll learn later in Texas, she's morally deficient, Jesus will address later in the verses that she is actually, um, she's had five husbands and she's with her sixth one now and they ain't married. So she's morally deficient. And then we'll also learn later in the text is, well, why is it that she's been with six men? It's actually because she's barren. What makes a woman in that day and age of value? What gives her value, her ability to, um, to build a home? But in this time, if she can't have children, well, she's just passed from guy to guy so that she can eat food, so she can live. She's actually being used as a tool for someone else's pleasure. She's useless by our community standards. So what Jesus says in this moment is that I've come to initiate relationship with the darkest, most broken, lost, pitiful refuse of your society. I have come to initiate with you. I've come to chase you. That's what Jesus says. And so let's jump into to what he says a little bit. Um, it's really cool. But it begins with craving, like I mentioned, that the desire has to come first. God made this woman with the desire not only for physical water, but spiritual water. And she even asks him for it. See, a lot, like a lot of people, and, and like myself, we enjoy things like food or sex or um, hobbies or good books or productivity, prestige, achievement, all those things. They're all good things, right? But this woman has spent her whole life pursuing these things as her highest end, as her highest joy. And she continues to see throughout her whole existence that none of this actually will ever satisfy her. 
Not one thing, not one man, not any money, none of it will actually satisfy her soul. And so Jesus says, the water I'm gonna give to you, we're not talking about water. She's not really on the same wavelength yet. But Jesus says, the water I give you will be living water. Now, right now, I'm kind of craving a donut, by the way. Shout out to our refresh team out here serving you guys, loving y'all. Um, we, I don't know if we have donuts today. It's all good. They're great. Um, but what we can learn from this passage is that is desire that draws us, that God created us for a relationship. And then second, he initiates that relationship. And so God, Jesus continues with this woman. Um, he says, I will give you living water. What, what we learned in John 3, a couple, uh, chapter ago, um, is that this water is actually the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. And then also we learn in John 14, Jesus says that his words are water. They are living water. And so a combination we see here is that this miracle that Jesus wants to do, he wants to see, um, and this is in verse, uh, verses 13 and 14. He says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water, meaning the well, will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. See, this woman's coming to a well because she's not only hated by men in her society, but women too. She's probably actually reviled by them. They probably think she's disgusting, to be fair. And so Jesus says, okay, cool. Well, let's talk about water. We'll talk about water real quick. Let's address your relational situation. Any singles in the room? Y'all single? The Lord has someone for you? Maybe. I don't know. Jesus is going to talk about it a little bit, though. I don't know. So here's what he says, verse 16. It's tough. I'm single, too. It's okay. Uh, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. If you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, what you have said is true. And this woman goes on to say, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Oh, shoot, Jesus exposed me. He's got a little something up his sleeve, right? The Christians actually know a little something about my life. They've actually spoken something true. Okay, I perceive you, you've, you're a prophet. You've got some knowledge. You've got some wisdom. That's great. But Jesus, Jesus is actually addressing a very deep point for her. See, she missed the whole thing again. She asked for physical water. But Jesus has come to address your pain and your darkest situations. That's actually what this is. This is an attempt by Jesus to knock on, the, on her door and knock it down in actuality. How many of y'all know that Jesus actually access to us is through our deepest wounds and pains? If you want to know where the gospel is, look in your heart. Look for the deepest levels of your insecurity and issues. Jesus will speak to those places. That's the, that's the message we get from uh, verse 16. And so Jesus continues, and he starts to address this. And uh, I, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. I love this quote. Um, he says, when we're Christians, or when we think about becoming Christians, we think, oh, okay, well, God will, he'll, he'll change some windows and some fixtures and maybe paint the walls, right? Maybe my clothes are a little bit too promiscuous. My skinny jeans are too tight. Um, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I lie too much or I don't treat my coworkers kindly or I yell at my wife or um, I don't respect my children as I should or father them as I should or mother them as I should. Oh, I get that, Jesus. Yeah, we'll fix that. We'll work on that later. But C.S. Lewis actually tells us, he says, when God moves into your house, he doesn't just change fixtures. He takes a sledgehammer to your walls and to your foundation. God's goal when he initiates relationship with you is not just that he paints a, paints a pretty picture on the outside. It's actually that it revitalizes your whole life. That is the living water. It's a complete change and shift in your foundation, in your purpose, in your desires. 
See, John 3 in this text tells us that we actually don't come to God unless we have an initial desire that was given to us by him. We can't pursue God. We can't chase him unless we have this initial longing that he calls out of us for himself. We must have this initial desire. John 3 also tells us that, and that's a previous chapter. I know I'm referencing it a lot, um, but it says that we come to the light because we love it. Do you desire God? And I don't just mean like you desire good things, like we're afraid of hell, we love paradise, um, we want to see loved ones again, or you like riches or prosperity or wealth or any of those things. Those are awesome things that Jesus can, can give to you and will if that's his will for you. But we don't honor God by coming to him for things. We honor God by coming to him for himself. Jesus is saying that saving faith is, is, is based on your highest, him being your highest desire and delight your highest joy. So I have a question for you. Um, if you could have paradise without God, would you do it? Perfect life, no emotional issues, no family drama. I see some of y'all looking out the crowd like, ooh, they're causing me problems if I have them there. Yup. No, no issues. It's perfect, but you didn't have God. Would you take it? Would you? That's the question Jesus is addressing. And so like a wounded animal or like me as a kid, I remember um, when I was four years old, I, I felt like I was like playing hockey or something in my driveway and I scraped my knee up pretty bad. I was bleeding a lot in my first major injury. And uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty bad. And so my mom pours alcohol on the wound and I kind of jump away, right? It's painful, that hurts. I know she has medicine, but I don't want anything to do with it. And like a wounded dog, she jumps away. She goes to an academic conversation. She says, our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And here's how Jesus answers her. He says this. He changes this from an academic issue to a uh, soul issue. And he says this. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. That's the Samaritans. They had their own place of worship outside of the Jews. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who, who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus' whole end is actually, the way he shifts this whole scenario that he created is to say that actually your end is not just doing activity. It's not just living more, morally right. It's actually worship. It's engagement with a person. And it requires two things, an engagement of your heart and engagement of your mind. If you worship Jesus with truth but no emotion, if you don't desire him as your highest goal, you will have formality. If you worship him with emotion but no truth, if you don't know who God actually is, that Jesus is the son of God and there is no other way uh, to the father, it'll be fanaticism. You'll do nothing of value, but true saving faith is faith that has both spirit and truth, emotion and mind, heart, soul, and thought. Jesus must be our highest desire as we raise our hands for worship. That is true worship. That is true saving faith. And so the real end of everything we see here is that the end of the human soul is union. Your purpose is relational engagement with God in the correct manner. God desires to pour his presence into your life. And that looks like two things, the Holy Spirit residing in you and his true teaching and guiding you to that end. The salvation of our souls is actually, it's an activity by God, but it has a purpose. It has an end. And here is that end. It is to be with God forever. And so, 
in, in summary, salvation begins with God. It is an initiation. It is creation on his end. He has created you for engagement. He has created you for joy. He has created you for a purpose, and that is to be with him forever. He then creates a divine moment for you to reach him and be with him, and he calls you out of your sin. He calls you out of your darkness. He calls you out of your addictions, your insecurities. As a man, one of my biggest insecurities is, am I valued? Am I respected? Am I inspiring? And if I'm not those things, I go a little bit crazy. Jesus wants to say, actually, you are loved and valued despite those things, respected, inspired, or not. And so our, our job is to respond with joy. Jesus says our highest desire. Do we love the light? Then come to him. And we give him faith in who he is and his saving work on the cross that Jesus died so that you could be free. I love, love this weekend because it's a perfect picture that Jesus' sacrifice bought freedom. But your freedom is much deeper than your political ideals. It's much deeper than you living here on earth or the houses you buy or your fence or your dog or your job. It's eternal. It is eternal relationship with God. That is of greater worth than anything you could ever have. Anything. Anything. And Jesus then calls this woman um, at the end. We hear the rest of the story where it continues. Um, and Jesus is going to sin no more. And so he cleanses and purifies her to live a, a good life, a pure life. And so the end of all of our salvation of the cross of Jesus, the end of it all is that, is that we would repent, give our lives to him and be with him and enjoy him forever. So I have some application questions for you. I believe the gospel is practical. I believe it is real for now. It's not just... Uh, 50 years from now, 100 million years from now, I believe it's now. I have some questions for you. Do you crave God? Do you literally crave God the person, not his gifts, not his paradise, but him, himself, his presence? Is he your highest delight today? If he isn't, reevaluate. Check your heart. Ask him. What do you settle for? See, it was this woman's sin that kept her from understanding who God was. We as Christians settle for too little. We eat the crumbs from a table when a feast is set before us. What do you settle for? What do you settle for? What do you try to fill your soul with that's actually garbage? It's like eating a Big Mac on your way to Thanksgiving dinner. It's crazy. It don't make no sense. Don't do it. Give it up. Jesus is calling you to repentance, to real joy. And then lastly is this. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe the cross of Christ? It's your access. And then lastly, who is the Samaritan woman in your life? God is an initiator. He is a goer. There's a reason our shirts say love the city and our stickers say love runs to, to what? To the lost one, the broken one. Who is that in your life? In Lansing, I define it as this, a poor immigrant who doesn't speak English and is homeless. That's the Samaritan woman in Lansing. I don't know who that is in your life, but find them, chase them, pursue them, teach them about the gospel of Jesus. That is what you are called to. If you're saved, that is your end here. That is your mission here. So we're gonna pray. I just want to remind you guys, man, get connected afterwards. You want to know what it means to live this life, the very practical, the truth, the word. Let's live it. Get connected if you don't know anything about, about city life, you want to hear more. So let's pray. Um, and our worship team is going to lead us out. Jesus, holy are you, beautiful are you, majestic are you, awesome are you, glorious are you. We don't come here because we think you're a good idea or a good teacher. We come here because you're the most beautiful, captivating, powerful being in all of existence. And you say that you love us and you proved it and you bought it for us by your sacrifice. And so, God, I pray you'd call that out of people today. People who are, whose hearts are hard and are afraid to come to you. People who are scared, who are socially rejected, emotionally destroyed. I pray that you would heal those broken parts, that you would cause living water to come in their souls. Jesus, move today. 
So we love you, God, and we thank you so much for this opportunity to worship you and praise you and live our lives for you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.